When does it end? Is my opening statement, or opening question, I should say. When does it actually end? You know, this, you know, this idea of making a sport safer, you know, it's good on the surface. It's good on the surface, but when you dig into it, it just doesn't, there, there comes a time where you, where the line isn't, the line, the line is, needs to be drawn and can be passed. Okay. There was this article that came out yesterday. The National Football League, this, this is an article on ESPN, written by uh, Kevin Seifert of NFL Nation. The article pretty much is about how the NFL has asked teams to stop doing Oklahoma drill and others. Okay, so here's the article. I'm going to read it and then I will just, then I'll discuss it. I'm just, I'll just say this. I'm, I'm just, I'm so tired of this, man. I've never played a game of football in my life. Except, you know, you know, pick up football. That's about it. Just, you know, seven on seven, you know, playing, playing with my friends growing up. But I've never played organized football or anything actually serious at all. Okay. The NFL has asked teams to eliminate some high impact drills, including the iconic Oklahoma drill from training camp practices as part of the league's ongoing effort to reduce concussions. The league acknowledged the Tuesday request during its spring meeting in Key Biscayne, Florida. The recommendation came in response to data that showed a rate of concussions during the early part of training camp in recent years. The league convened an April 17th meeting among current and former NFL players, coaches, and executives to discuss ways that would address the issue. Banning certain drills was among the group's recommendations. The Oklahoma drill, among others, has been used far less frequently in recent activity in recent years, but its history is rooted in reacquainting players with full contact after the offseason. It pits a defender against a blocker who is trying to make room for a ball carrier. Teammates and coaches usually surround the drill area to create a battle-type atmosphere. In 2015, New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick said the drill quickly answers these questions. Who is a man? Who's tough? Who's going to hit somebody? Year over year, reported concussions dropped 25% in 2018 following a call to action by Chief Medical Officer Alan Sills. The league joined the NFL Players Association to produce a three-part concussion reduction strategy, prohibiting underperforming helmet models, instituting a series of rule changes rooted in biomechanical research, and intervening in early training camp practices. The initial camp intervention failed to change the numbers 
leading to the April 17th meeting. We saw a certain area at the beginning of training camp where we felt could make greater improvement, Commissioner Roger Goodell said Wednesday, and I think removing some of these drills across all 32 teams is the right way to do that. We also believe by prohibiting some of these drills that will happen at the college and high school and youth football levels, which we believe should happen. Competition Committee Chairman Rich McKay said Wednesday, I think some of the coaches were a little defensive at the start and probably the biggest advocates at the end. The Associated Press contributed to, contributed to this report. Okay. Now, some of you might be listening to this and you might be giving the NFL a round of applause. I am not right now, and you can probably hear that I'm not. So their goal is to reduce concussions. Okay. Seems That seems reasonable. That seems absolutely reasonable. Here would be my question to the NFL. Who... Well, let me say this. What would be the number that you would need to see? Zero? Ten? Twenty? Fifteen? Thirteen? Twenty-five? What... What number would you have to see? How many concussions would you, would you think would be, would be a success? That, that would be, that would be my question. How many would you have to, how many would you have to stop seeing? And how, what, what number would be, would be the ceiling? To where you could say, okay, if we get if we get under this number, or have at the most this number, we've succeeded. Because let me say this. That number may be reached, whatever that number is. And then they're going to say, okay, how can we lower the number again? Eventually the number is going to be zero. Eventually at this rate. Because you because here's the thing. Whenever you try to improve something, you want to keep trying to improve it. So that, that's a natural that's a natural form of doing things. That's a natural form of business. That's a natural form of life. Um, you want to try to improve something at least a little bit every single time you do something. So eventually the number of concussions the goal to have the goal for number of concussions in the NFL one day or just sports one day will be 0%. No, zero concussions. And on the surface, it sounds good. But if you think about it for just about two seconds, you understand that it's never going to be achieved. And also what people need to understand 
is at the end of the day, you have humans inside of what whatever you want to protect them with. You can have the best helmets. You can have the best pads. You can have you can have the best turf. Because tur- turf is something that's not really discussed. Turf is turf is a key contributor to concussions. Because sometimes you can get hit and your head hits the turf, and it's like hitting like cement. Like just because it looks soft does not mean it is. If you hit your head on that, that could seriously hurt you. So you can put when when you have humans that are that are participating in the activity, they're going to get hurt. It's it's just going to happen. At some point, at some point, there has to be there has to come a point where it's like, okay, we can't make the game any more safer. There, there comes a point where it's like the the idea and the concept of the sport now has to be completely changed for football. You, how do you how do you have zero concussions? I mean, I mean, think about this because players players have to practice. Because they, have, you know, they have to know the offense, they have to know the defense, they have to understand the system, and they have to build camaraderie with each other. So you need practice. Okay. Ultimately, you need a game. Okay, because that's because you have to you have to actually play because you don't want to just practice and never compete. Okay, and then eventually you need the playoffs, and then you need eventually you need the championship to determine who's the best. Who was the best team out of all that competition that year? So that's a lot. That's a lot of games. You have 16 games a year. And then you have practice. Well, you have 16 games a year, at least for whatever whatever team you're on. Even if you don't make the playoffs, you have a minimum of 16 games in the regular season. Then you have the off season. Which, you know, that is four games. So everyone plays a minimum of 20 games. Or every team, I should say, because not every single player. But every team now plays at least 20 games. Okay, and then you have practices where you'll, where you'll have scrimmages and things like that. I'm just, I'm just talking about the NFL. I'm just talking about the NFL right here, but you kind, you kind of understand the idea. And then eventually you have the playoffs. Okay, so you'll have the wild card. So teams will play there. Then you have, you know, the divisional rounds. Then you have the conference. And then you have the Super Bowl. So that that's that's quite a bit of contact over time. It just it's a lot of contact over time. And you do this year after year after year. You have to do this for 
you know, thousands. You know, you do this, you know, your body takes thousands of hits over time. The leading number of concussions or the leading the leading cause of concussions for men for males in high school high school sports is football for females it's soccer among children and youth ages 5 to 18 years the five leading sports or recreational activities which account for concussions include get this bicycling football basketball playground activities and soccer this is from protectthebrain.org bicycling and i know what you may think you may be thinking oh they didn't have their helmet okay here's see here's what people are failing to understand helmets don't take see here okay I think I think people need to understand what a concussion actually is before I, before I get into that. Okay, so what's a concussion? A concussion is an MTBI or a, a mild traumatic brain injury, and it's caused by uh, bumps or blows or a jolt to the head or to the body. That causes the brain to move rapidly inside the skull. A concussion will change how the brain normally functions. Okay. Uh, For the Brain Injury Research Institute, concussions are a major part of what they do. Concussions can have serious long-term effects, and even a seemingly mild ding or a bump on the head can be serious. Signs and symptoms of, con- of concussion include headache, nausea, fatigue, confusion, or memory problems, sleep disturbances, or mood changes. Symptoms are typically noticed right after the injury, but some might not be recognized until days or weeks later. How many sports concussions occur each year? An estimated 1.6 to 3.8 million sports and recreation-related concussions occur in the United States each year. During 2001 to 2005, children and youth ages 5 to 18 years accounted for 2.4 million sports-related emergency department visits annually. 6% of those, so 135,000, involved a concussion. Okay. So, what I was saying earlier about humans... You know, you you can walk outside and you can get hurt. You can seriously go outside, go outside your home, walk outside, step off the curb, and you can you could twist your ankle. You could sprain your ankle. It's possible. What I'm what I'm saying is this: there's going to come there's going to come a time. I'm telling you, I don't know when. I have no, I could, I could not give you a date, but at some point, you will have only, you will have made 
so many improvements and you're going to keep trying to improve and the only possible way to improve is to completely change the concept of the game or to just take away humans completely. It, that that that's the only that's the only that's that's the end game right here. That 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 would be the end game. Like when I saw that article from the NFL, I was just it was to me it was absolutely ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Because because you're trying you're trying to reduce concussions. And a concussion can happen from getting, you know, receiving a blow, bump, or jolt to the head or to the body. And these these helmets, you know, they're not pillows. No matter no matter how sci- uh, no matter how much you improve it scientifically, a helmet does not take away the, all the impact. Because these dudes are hitting hard. They're hitting hard. And they've, they've, the hits have become less, um, what's the word I could use? They've become less, they, they just don't hit as hard anymore. Mostly because of the rules. The, these players, they know what they, they know what they sign up for. It's a risk they're willing to take. That's one of the reasons they're paid the money that they're paid. Could you get me onto an NFL field? No. No. You couldn't. For people, we, we have to understand only so many improvements can be made. I remember, uh, I remember, I want to say it was like 2017, like late 2017, I think, with, uh, Dr. Bennett O'Malley. If you saw that movie, uh, Concussion, which is a, which is not historically correct, which I am a stickler of, you know, context, historical context within movies. But pretty much, pretty much, if you saw that, or just kind of understand who Dr. Bennett O'Malley is, uh, he's a guy who pretty much didn't care about football. Like he, like he had, like he didn't, like he admitted that he didn't know what it was when he, when he first got in, got into it. And so he came across a brain one day. And he looked at it and he was, he was shocked at what he saw. So ultimately, uh, you know, the story goes on. It's a, it's a pretty long story and it's a lot of back and forth and back and forth and a lot of denial and a lot of stuff like that. But Dr. O'Malley said that I want to say, I want to say it was something like you can't like, Anyone under 18 shouldn't be playing, shouldn't be playing like 
contact sports, high contact sports. I can't, I can't think of one that was. Let me, let me see really quick. Thank you. I want to say it was 2017. My position now in age. No child under the age of 18 in America today should play any of the high impact sports, high contact sports. Dr. Malice said in a recent event in New York. So what does he mean by contact sports? He's list, he listed six of them. Football, ice hockey, MMA, rugby, boxing, and wrestling. He left off soccer, but said that for the sport to be safe for kids, headers needed, need to be eliminated from the game, as they put kids at serious risk of concussion. You know, Recreation, recreation is a is a tremendous invention, but at some point you you have you have to draw the line and just be like, look, these players have to be willing to accept the risk. And people, you know, they, they may talk about, you know, moms of moms of uh, kids who play sports. And, you know, not letting, not letting their child play football or, uh, basketball or softball or baseball or soccer because of the risk. It's part, it's part of the sport. It's, it's a chant. It's, it's certainly possible. It could happen. I remember, I remember one time I was asked, would I, would I let my son, I want to say this was my, I want to say this was my senior year, but I was asked, would I let my son play football? I thought that was an interesting question. I, I paused for a moment and I said, yes, but what I would do, I would just, I would tell my son, I would sit him down and I'd be like, is this what you want to do? And if he said yes, I'd be like, okay, I believe you. I would talk to him about, you know, let him understand the risk of doing anything. And then I would talk about the risk of doing football. I would sit and watch football games with him. So he, you know, so he can understand the the possibility of what could happen to him. And also what people need to understand is, is the amount of, how can I put this? Life, lifestyle is so important. You know, people, you know, people talk about the NFL and the CTE lawsuit that they, that they had and, you know, kind of victims of, you know, football and how, how these players, they just, you know, they didn't know and that they were like taken advantage of and hidden, the truth was hidden from, from them. I was like, okay, well, maybe the truth was hidden from them, but I ask you this. 
were these individuals smart enough to understand that if you take one human, if you take one human, give him a ball, and he runs, and you send another human to stop him, at some point they're going to collide, or or the player with the ball could juke, and you know, or spin spin out of you know a tackle. But at some point, you're going to take a tackle. So were they smart enough to understand that if a human hits a human, it could cause problems? And then if you repeat that over and over and over, your body's just going to get worse? I mean, forget forget modern medicine. Forget modern medicine. But... If you hit someone, did they understand that you could seriously get hurt? Like, like did, did they understand that? You know, you know, at some, at some point, I'm, here's what I'm trying to say, people. At some point, the, the concept of the game has to change. If, if you keep going down this path, how do you, how do you stop, how do you stop injuries in football or put them pretty much next to zero? Let's do this. Take away pads, take away helmets, take away cleats, or, you know, let them keep the cleats if you want and give them flags and call it a day. Because it because it doesn't matter how advanced the pads are. It doesn't matter. The human body is going to take punishment in in recreation. It's it's going to happen. It's just it's just you know, we're not we're not, you know, we're not rams where we have where our skulls are you know three times as thick to where we can just headbutt and we're fine it's not like that our skulls are relatively thin and it doesn't take much to move the brain cuz the brain the brain is in a liquid you know, it's not just it's not just staying there. You know, just sitting there with like nothing surrounding it except a skull. It's a skull and then the brain is inside liquid inside of the skull. It's just it's it's just this is just it just irritates me, man. I'm not I'm not a zealot. I'm not a zealot. But I just, you have to understand, at some point, at some point you're just going to come to a place where you cannot make the game any safer. You've done all you could possibly do. I think of the movie, I think of the movie, um, what's that movie with Hugh Jackman? What is it? Real Steel. 
and they're talking about how the game has changed so much that people don't want to see people fight, but people want to see robots fight. To me, I thought it was a pretty unrealistic movie. Because I'm not going to, I can't envision myself turning on a television and watching robots fight. Humans like violence. Why? I don't know. My theory is that violence is something that's out of the ordinary, you know, it's not something that we see in everyday life. And so when we do see it, it, you know, picks our interests. And immediately it's like, you know, our days, mundane, boring, we do the same thing over and over and over. It's routine. And then we see, you know, someone push someone for, for some reason. We don't know what. And everyone immediately looks. Because it's something that's out of the ordinary. You don't see violence everywhere. And so when we see it, it's like, wow, you know, something that's, you know, different. That's, that's my theory. But whatever, whatever, whichever theory is correct, humans like violence for some reason. And what we have to understand is you can, you can only make a sport so safe. You can only, you can only make a sport so safe. If you do anything in life, If you, you know, if you get out of, if you get out of bed, you have a chance of hurting yourself. If you walk outside, you have a chance of hurting yourself. If you get in your car, you have a chance of hurting yourself. The game, the game can only, you know, you just, you just have to understand. At some point, it, you've done all you could possibly do. And your only, your only choice left is to, is to take away people out of the game. They understand the risks. They understand. Now, how old would I let my son be to play football? Uh, probably, probably 10. Nine or ten. Um, if it's something that he wants to do and he's serious about it, and I believe he could actually be good at it, I would, you know, I would, I would encourage him. Of course, of course, anything's a possibility. They could become paralyzed. That's it. It's possible. They could die. It's possible. That, that's, that's just, that's one of, that's one of the parts of life. Whenever you do, when, whatever you do, there is a chance. Whenever you do something, you, you, you know, everything has a risk. And you just, you have to, you have to understand, you have to understand that if you want to go through life afraid, and go through life not doing anything, and you want to be safe, 
If you want to be safe, stay home. Stay in bed. And don't leave your bed. Ever. Because at some point, you know, that's what, that's just what happens. The world is not a safe place. You have to become stronger to take it on. You don't, you don't, you don't try to soften the world. Because you can't. You can't. You as an individual have to become stronger. You have to be willing to take the risk. You have to become stronger. You have to mature. You have to, you have to bear your cross. That's another thing that irritates me. You know, people talk about safe spaces, especially in like school or something like that. School is not a safe space. School is a place of learning. It's a place of disagreement. It's a place of being challenged. It's a place where ideas are exchanged. It's not about being safe. It's about learning and improving. When you become so focused on safety and so focused on not hurting people's feelings and being sensitive to, you know, what they what they're feeling. You lose you lose the goal and you lose track of what what you're actually there for. If you want if you want to you want a safe space, your safe space is in your bed. That's your safe space. That that's it. That's all you've got for a safe space. See what you can accomplish from your bed doing nothing. Just absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. You know, I want to get to something else. I just, I don't know what else I can say about these this contact sports stuff. I don't know. Because it, it's, I've, pr- I've pretty much said all I could say. You got, you just, you guys know what I'm saying. At some, at some point the line is crossed where it's like, the only step left is to remove humans out of the game if you, if you want people to be safe. That's the, that's the only possible end. Players, players take the risk. They, they, they take it. They know, they know what it is. And also today, if you want to go back, I can be like, okay, I'll give you that. They didn't have modern medicine, but I'm sure they had common sense where you can't just hit something and expect to be okay. So you look at people, you you look at this and it's just like, man, you look at, you look at kids today and with with the amount with what we know today how readily information is available to find something out takes a couple of minutes if you do somewhat research 
kids know, kids today they they know the risk especially i would say middle school and up they understand because they've been exposed to media they see they see things they hear stories they watch games they understand you know it's not like they've never seen it before it's just it's just it's just terrible man in my opinion the the path that we're going down People, people, people are looking down at the ground. And they're seeing the improvements that we're making, and I, I would advise you to lift your head and look towards where we're going to end up on this path. Keep your head up, not down. Okay, so I want to talk about this next topic. It uh. This has really been, this to me was a really interesting and despicable article. So yesterday, there was an article on CBS News by Gwen Baumgartner, and it's, it's titled... Throwing milkshakes as a political statement makes a splash in Britain. This is unacceptable. In case, you know, you didn't figure that out. Okay. London, a warm welcome for British politician Nigel Farage took a cold turn at a campaign stop in England this week. The divisive Brexit party leader was hit by a banana and salted caramel milkshake. He and his tailored suit became the largest target of milkshaking, a political statement making a splash in Britain. Protesters are targeting right-wing politicians on the campaign trail. Controversial candidate Carl Benjamin has been hit four times in just a week. Far-right politician Tommy Robinson was attacked too, but fought back. Milkshaking has gained so much popularity on social media that fast food chains are even weighing in. McDonald's has made the decision to stop selling milkshakes when there's a Brexit rally nearby. Its competitor is taking a different approach. Burger King UK came under fire after tweeting, Dear people of Scotland, we're selling milkshakes all weekend. Have fun. But but police aren't laughing. They arrested Farage's attacker and charged him with assault. Spilled milk or not, Farage's Brexit party is set to do well in this week's European elections. And milkshaking isn't expected to stop anytime soon. Another milkshake protest is being planned at a campaign event in Northern England later this week. Wow. This, this to me is just absolutely disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. 
you, so let me say this. I mean, let's just think about this. There's someone that you see and you don't agree with them. And your retaliation, you decide to retaliate for not agreeing with him. And by doing your, your, your attempt at retaliation is throwing something at the person that you disagree with. You're so, you're, you're so upset and you, you just can't stand this person that you throw something at them. You know, it's really sad that we've come to a time, we've come to a time where people believe that if you take, it's like, it's, it's just so sad. We've come to a place in society where if someone disagrees with your stance on something, that they feel that you are attacking them. Or they, they, they may, they may dislike your stance and therefore they dislike you. It's just, it's just, it's, it's disgusting. It's abs- it's absolutely disgusting. It's it's contemptible. I mean, this is such a temper tantrum. I'm mad at you because of something that you believe, so I'm going to throw something at you. How how do we get here? How do how do we get how do we get to a place where where we can't have a civil conversation or if we agree or we can't just agree to disagree and just say to each his own to each their own it it's it it's ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous we have to, we have to sit here and we have to talk to each other don't don't become more divided don't do that if you disagree with someone you know talk it out see that's what adults do that's 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 one of the things about being an adult that's one of the things about maturing we talk we if you if you have a disagreement You go up to the person, you talk with them about it, and you have a civil discussion, and then you call it a day. Sometimes you can come to an understanding, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you have irreconcilable differences. That doesn't mean you throw something at them. It's absolutely, it's just... I saw this article and I I just it just it just it's disgusting. I mean if you see this picture, this dude is wearing I'm not sure what kind of shirt he's wearing. But he's a 
she's a guy who's, you know, kind of bigger. His shirt is extremely snug. He has a beard, has glasses, and he's in, he's getting, uh, detained in front of a bookstore. This isn't funny. We, we, people, we have to come to, we, we have to go back to be able to having civil discussions. Don't throw things at people that you disagree with. And I'm not bringing this article up just because he's a far right, just because the vic, just because the victim was a, a far right politician. I, I've never heard of, uh, I've never heard of Nigel Farage. I don't know what he believes, but I know this. Don't come to a, don't come to a point where you are throwing something at somebody. Don't do that. You know, if it were someone, if it were someone on the far left, someone who was advocating socialism, or someone who, who advocated, uh, you know, you know, pro-choice, or pick, pick the topic and someone, someone picks that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to attack the person or throw something at them or scream in their face. It's outrageous. It's just like, see, people need to understand. One of the great things about being human is that we can disagree. We can we can hear things and we can see things that we that we may agree with and we may not agree with. One of the great things about being human is that we can actually talk to each other. We can actually communicate through words and and discuss discuss matters. I have I know people and I have I have friends who they disagree with me politically or on so, on social topics. We don't get into fights. We don't we don't get into we don't get into you know heated discussions. They share their points. I share my points. From to the best of my knowledge, I'm the only I'm the only conservative in my group of friends in Sacramento. But we but our, our relationship is tremendous. Our camaraderie is second to none. We enjoy each other's company. We're you know, we make the class fun. You can you can disagree. But that shouldn't that shouldn't come between that shouldn't cause a rift in the relationship. You can disagree. It's okay. It's it's actually okay. You can disagree. 
and but that doesn't mean that you can attack someone who does who does disagree with you. It's just it's just it it angers me. It angers me that we've that we've come to this. I mean, I mean, seriously, this story is something part, you know, I will admit part of me just had to laugh to keep from crying a little bit. You're throwing a milkshake. Just drink the milkshake. Or better yet, here, here's, here's what's interesting. You have to think, this guy, think about this, this guy purchased a milkshake and he had no intention of drinking it or giving it to someone who was going to drink it. In his mind, he was set on throwing it at somebody who he disagreed with. People, drink your milkshakes. Don't throw them.